This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. And joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. What's up? Not a whole lot. Just working, watching movies. You know, uh, last week I released our episode of the Positively Wolfie podcast. So slow going getting listeners to that one for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> I just retweeted it again today. So it's uh it's slowly crawling its way up. Uh but uh yeah, we we got a good chunk on the first day and it's been kind of trickling in since then. But go ahead and check it out if you haven't. Positively yeah. Wolfie podcast. In other news, I went back to the theater for the first time since the pandemic started. Yeah, how was that? It's fine. Uh, went and saw Tenet, which I'll be discussing later on. And uh, so I bought the tickets online. Went with a couple of friends, which is my girl and a friend of mine. And then, see, so yeah, I bought the tickets online. They what do you want to call it? They took away some of the seats beforehand. And then once certain seats were selected, you know, they would black out seats around them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was kind of like it was before it was closed because I went to an AMC. Is it every other row that they do? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think you can have people in every row, but not next to each other, not in front of or behind of. Okay. Because before AMC closed, they were taking extra safety measures. All the staff was wearing, you know, latex gloves, and there was line or like uh, roped off lines and things like that. But so it's kind of similar. Got a soda, and you know they have the self serve soda machines. They still let you do that. I thought they they well, were going to shut those down. Well, they let you do it, but there's signs on it that says uh, you can't get refills. <laughs> So you could go there once. I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Cause then you're still not, going there. Well, I'm sure, you know, they're worried about people, you know, taking the lid off and drinking straight from the cup and then going to get a refill and just wiping their, you know, saliva yeah. all over the, the spout. But I would think that they, I, I swear that when they first started, sending out like the new updates on their safety protocols. That was one of the things where they're like, we're not going to let you do your own beverage anymore. So I guess I saw it on Saturday of opening weekend and it was pretty full for what they allow. Mm. So I think they allow up to 40% and it was pretty close to 40%. I went to the 830 showing of uh, IMAX showing. I don't like that IMAX theater. I don't like the seats in there. Well, the the AMC I went to was at the Southdale location. Yeah. And yeah, that one, the screen is 
pretty small for IMAX standards and the seats are old. You could tell it was like, it was yeah, nice 15 years ago. They don't recline at all. There's no uh, like footrest or anything. It's Yeah. I mean, it rocks back a little bit. I mean, yeah. it's, you can do that, but yeah, there's no footrest. It's not motorized. It's like a 90 degree angle. <laughs> yeah. I should have just went to the Dolby cinema, but I wanted the big, their biggest screen, even though that doesn't mean much because they I took, I would have used, I would have actually gone to the zoo IMAX, but they closed even before the pandemic started. I think probably about a year ago, they closed. I prefer the Dolby over the IMAX. I saw the the newest star Wars on that IMAX screen. And like the seats seem really low. Like if it feels like you're looking up at the screen, like virtually any place that you sit, I was in the, uh, not the back row, but the like the last row before like the handicap section in the back of the theater, and uh, like it feels like you're really low compared to like if you go to a different, uh, even like the Dolby theater and you sit towards the back, you're kind of eye level with the middle or maybe just below the middle of the screen. Yeah. Whereas IMAX, you felt like you're below the screen no matter where you sat. Did you ever go to that Zoo IMAX? Maybe once a long, long time ago. I was super depressed when that closed because that theater was incredible. They had, it was the biggest screen in Minnesota. I think it was like six stories high. And the seating was severely uh, slanted. And so you could sit like mid, mid part of the screen or towards the top or towards the bottom. But it was all towards the bottom or above you never the screen was never like above you really right i mean i guess you sitting towards the bottom yeah more of the screens above you but like i always sat right in the middle of the theater and uh it would you know fill your field of vision and the seats they weren't motorized but and they had just gotten a new projector and some new seating a couple of years ago so it was really nice the past couple of years but bastards closed yeah, I think I might have went there pretty close after they opened it initially. Like, even before they were showing, like, regular movies there. Like, I think we had maybe had a field trip to the zoo, and they are showing some, like, 10-minute documentary on the IMAX mm-hmm. that we got to go to. Because, yeah, I remember it being, like, much, much bigger than the, the one at Southdale. And then I told the story after I on the podcast here after I saw that Star Wars movie about how the, the fucking projector turned off halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still have my uh, voucher for a free movie. Maybe I should use that. So I don't have to restart my A-list before there's some like decent movies coming out. The one in Invergrove, does that have an IMAX? No, it's, it doesn't have any special screens. It's just the regular, uh, regular cinemas Zeden prairie has an imax but i can't remember if i've been to that one i should try it out because it's got to be bigger than the southdale one i don't know i think roseville might have an imax too maybe i know they they have a dolby yeah i think they have a dolby but i don't think they have uh reclining seats in any of their theaters in the roseville one for some reason well the dolby one is has the motorized seats and whatnot but that Maybe might be the, the only one. But I, having been to the IMAX screen and the Dolby screen, like at Southdale, 
I would take Dolby any day of the week. The seats seem even more comfortable in there compared to like the even the regular recliner seats at Southdale. Alamo doesn't have an IMAX, do they? No, I don't. I don't know if they have any special screens. I'd go there regardless, but I just it takes a half hour to get there for my place. Yeah, I still haven't been there. It's uh, you know, when I was on the A list for AMC, it's just cost effective to go to the AMC by me for everything. Yeah. So. Plus, like, the Alamo, when you look at their schedule, like, any of the older movies that I'd want to see, like, a lot of them, they show them at, like, 8.30 on a Tuesday night. It's like, yeah. well, I don't really want to go out late on a Tuesday, you know, and they got to work on Wednesday. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you want to get to before we get into it? I don't know. I, uh, I'm dreading to hear a few review cuties. <laughs> I did not, or I will not, because I did not see it, and I will not see it. That shit is gross. People are defending it. They're saying it's a QAnon conspiracy, that those little girls were twerking and doing other sexual, you know, type things in that movie. It's pissed me off so much, because Netflix really dropped the ball on this, and they really have no defense, you know, because first the uproar was over that poster that they used. Yeah, the promo poster and the description and they took it down like this is like a month or two ago and if you just compare the poster from netflix to the original at the film festival like the french one like the french one you can't even tell what it's about right you can tell there's little girls in it but that's it and they're like, well, this is a foreign film that's won awards. And like, well, why do you have all these little girls scantily clad twerking in your poster? And then like their defense was at first was, well, it's a it's a feminist film, you know, about girls standing up to the patriarchy and all this. And now it's changed to no, it's a movie, it's a commentary on sexual over sexualization of children. <laughs> Pick one. And we accomplished our goal by over-sexualizing children. <laughs> yeah. Look how bad this is. I mean, just look at it. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll pass. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'll watch that either. It's uh, just the clips and stuff. I, I find it hard to, to watch any of the clips that have popped up online. And it's like, it's a hard film to defend, I guess. Like, the message is uh, apparently pretty positive or you know getting positive feedback but like the execution and how they got there was not a good way to do it yeah from what i've seen all right uh, let's get into it what did you see clarice what did you see so i guess i will go first since you sat through all the thunderball <laughs> all two hours and 10 minutes of it and <laughs> Jesus. Did it feel like three hours because of all the underwater shots? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. Slow motion. We'll talk about it. All right. So I'm going to talk about Tenet, which just came out, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Kenneth Branagh, how do you say his name? Branagh? Maybe. B-R-A-N-A-G-H. 
Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Clements Posey, Fiona Dourif, Michael Caine. It's a Nolan movie, so you had to know he was going to be in here. Himesh Patel, Wes Chatham or Chatham. That's about it. Synopsis. Armed with only one word, tenant, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Are you sure it's not pronounced Tene? <laughs> yeah, there's another podcast I listened to where they insisted on calling it Tene, <laughs> even after they realized that's not how it's said. Yeah, definitely not pronounced Tene. Did you hear that, Steve? <laughs> uh, I mean, I won't go too far in depth to what the story's about because I would kind of spoil some of it. Even the name, if I mention why for certain it's pronounced Tenet. Well, they, uh, said, it, they said it in the trailer. That's how I know that it's pronounced Tenet because yeah. that scene was in the trailer where he's just like, I've got one word for you. <laughs> Tenet. <laughs> and then the boats are going backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the name itself is even kind of a, it's a symbol or a metaphor for the movie. So let's steer clear of that. But yeah, so there's international intrigue. There's spies, people working for the CIA, other organizations. And they all need to stop this Kenneth Branagh guy from destroying the world, basically. <laughs> you know what's disappointing is Hans Zimmer did not do the score for this. He was busy doing oh. something else. <laughs> so they had to get somebody else. <laughs> yeah, they, it was really, it was missing some of that. <laughs> Although um, before I saw this movie, I read an article a few weeks ago. And the headline was something like, I couldn't hear most of what was said in Tenet, and I'm not the only one. Yeah, I've heard that complaint uh, a few different places. Now, it's happened before with the Nolan film, specifically Dark Knight Rises. People complaining about they couldn't hear what Bane was saying. And now, I can kind of see it, like watching Dark Knight Rises, there's, there's a couple of scenes where you, you miss a word here or there. I don't think I understood a single thing that Bane said when I watched Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah? I didn't see it in the theater though, but I watched it at home and had, I don't, like I said, I don't think I understood a single thing he said. I understood most of what he said, but uh, I'm starting to wonder if that's the kind of thing where, God, I forget what word it was. Remember a year or two ago, there was like a viral thing going around where there was some word was said and half of the people that heard it thought it was one word and the other half thought it was another word. Oh, uh, Yanni. And, uh, yeah. What was the other, it wasn't Yanni. It was the, whatever the other thing was. Cause it, the sound clip was from like dictionary.com pronouncing the word. Yeah. It was some robotic type voice. Um, God, no, I can't think of what it was. It's a, not that it's not that uncommon of a word either. But yeah, if, I'm sure if you typed in Yanni, you would you could find it on YouTube or something like that. But I wonder if that's kind of what the problem is here because I didn't understand over half the dialogue in this film. Doesn't matter who was saying it, the score is 
loud, which I like a loud score in, in a Nolan film. Yanni or Laurel? Okay. Laurel was the other one. It was, uh, yeah, the sound club was the dictionary. Like, I don't know if it was dictionary.com, but it was like from a definition of the word Laurel and it was the example pronunciation. And people were like, that is definitely Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Yeah. <laughs> so... I'd be curious, like, if you see this in the theater, I wonder if you'll just hear it perfectly fine and, like, I'm the weird one in this situation. But uh, since you couldn't really understand Bane and Dark Knight Rises, and I could for the most part. Yeah, I saw saw an article, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something that was kind of talking about that. And it was about people using, uh, putting, turning on subtitles on, like, Netflix and stuff. Uh, even though they're not like hard of hearing or you know if they're not like if they, they're fluent in english or whatever and they still understand it they'll still put the subtitles on and it was kind of that same thing like you said where like they're speaking english but for whatever reason there's a disconnect between what they're saying and what you're picking up and like yeah. you're trying to figure out what they're saying and it just doesn't connect and by the time you kind of figure out what they're talking about, they're already beyond, you know, where you were, you know, got stuck. Yeah. I think the sound mixing was just horseshit in this movie. Now, some people might think it's, Oh, they, you know, they're just playing it too loud in the theater, but theaters 99% of the time, it'd be very rare if a theater was actually wrong in the level of volume they have their speaker system set at. Because every theater, when they're given a movie, they're given very specific instructions of how loud it is to be played. And like sometimes you run into a problem with, uh, have you seen the movie Wind River? I forget. Not yet. It's, it's one that I've, I've been meaning to watch and I just never get to it. Well, we had that at uh, our theater or my theater. And it was very hard to hear just because everything was so quiet. Like gunshots and other things like that, you know, were pretty loud, but the dialogue was very quiet. And on Blu-ray, it's the same thing. I have to turn my system way the hell up to hear it. So that's just a problem of, I think, the sound mixing. And here, I just don't think it mixes well with the score and the dialogue. Although I will defend Tenet in saying that since this is an older IMAX theater, there were times where I could hear the speakers kind of rattle. And so some of the cones might be a little cracked. Mm. And so that could have caused some extra distortion. Like I'm sure they played it at the right level, but those speakers might be old because it's an older IMAX. And so maybe it couldn't handle that type of sound. So I might, I might try and watch it again in a regular theater or a Dolby since their speaker system is new and incredible. Right. Um, but I couldn't hear half the dialogue. Maybe, you know, there'd be words missing out of every sentence, basically, unless there was no music. Yeah, I've I've heard that complaint from, or I've seen it on Twitter from a lot of people, and like people, you know, from across America, people from the UK. So I don't think it's just a your theater problem. I think it's a problem with the movie itself. Yeah, which leads me to believe the sound mixing is poor and then maybe yeah they should add Hans Zimmer I guess <laughs> I know he's not in charge of the sound mixing but 
don't know, maybe his score would have been slightly different and less bass would bleed into the dialogue. I don't know. I mean, they they had to rush it in, you know, they, they didn't have time to get it just right before it came out. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's not, it's not like the, the release date got pushed back two months and they could have (laughs) fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a choice. Maybe Christopher Nolan's just like, fuck people who want to hear what the dialogue is. Yeah. Well, from the dialogue that I did hear, uh, the performances were pretty good. Uh, everyone was pretty solid. Elizabeth Debicki, I'd seen her in Widows. She's pretty good in there and good in here. John David Washington, good again. Pattinson is really good. You know, none of these are you know Oscar-worthy performances, but everyone was solid. You think there's other performances this year that are above them? <laughs> That's not too many to pick from, but I would say at least at that level, I guess, <laughs> in certain other movies. I don't know. But uh, the set pieces and action was you know, ambitious. Uh, some of it was kind of cool, but I wasn't blown away. Like Inception, a lot of the set pieces, you know, I was kind of blown away by here like there's some unique things or some stuff he hasn't seen before but it wasn't as cool as it should have been maybe it's because i didn't understand everything because i missed some of the uh, exposition Um, now i understood you know i guess that you know the majority of what was going on i could follow the movie or at least uh in general terms Mm -hmm. i know the bad guys i know the good guys you know, I know what they're after, what they're doing for the most part. I guess what I'm still a little confused about is the ending and the way there's a set piece at the end. And the way it's shown is still kind of confusing. Like, I know what happens. I know the twists. I get all that. But just conceptually, following the last action set piece was weird. <laughs> it didn't seem to make all that much sense. But, um, I mean, the movie is very ambitious. Maybe you have to watch it backwards. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> do, you think do you think that'll be how the Blu-ray is? Watch it forward, watch it backwards? You're getting into possible spoiler territory here. I haven't seen it. I'm just guessing. <laughs> guessing based on how <laughs> half the trailer people are going backwards. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was kind of cool, uh, watching that you know you could tell the actors even sometimes were walking and like talking in reverse and then they were probably playing it forward mm-hmm. with the camera and then vice versa other times but movie's very ambitious uh nolan definitely shot for the moon on this one i did like it overall but was very frustrating not being able to hear it so you know i guess i'm still would like to see it again in the theater and then i'll probably buy it at home did like it, um, but I should have liked it a lot more. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe on repeat viewings, I'll grow more fond of it. But for now, I'll just give it an eventually. Eventually. And watch it in the theater. We got to support movies in theaters. Otherwise, Brett's A-list ain't going to mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be on the list of anything. Uh, it's better than the $25 VOD. Yeah, that's why I haven't watched Bill and Ted yet. Yeah, I didn't realize Bill and Ted wasn't going to be in theaters because that's one of the movies like, well, if I do go back, that would be one that I would see. I, I thought it was on uh, 
least the Southdale one. It's not at your AMC. No, it's not at any of them. It's not listed. Mm. Even if you do like the, you know, current movies or movies coming soon, like it's not even there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, my first movie is from 2015. It's called Room. Not The Room. And I don't think they say The Room at all in the movie. It's always just Room. It's directed by Lenny Abrahamson. And it stars Brie Larson, uh, Jacob Tremblay, Sean Bridgers, uh, Wendy Crewson, Matt Gordon, Amanda Bruegel, Joe Pinge, or Joe Ping, I don't know. Uh, Joan Allen, William H. Macy, and uh, Tom McCamus. Tom McCamus. Okay. Uh, synopsis. Held captive for seven years in an enclosed space, a woman and her young son finally gain their freedom, allowing the boy to experience the outside world for the first time. So I heard about this quite a bit. Heard that uh, Brie Larson had a tour de force performance. She's pretty good. You know, I think she brings a lot of herself to the role. You know, having seen some of her interviews for Captain Marvel, she's yeah. pretty good at being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but, so this is, uh, it gives you a little bit of a spoiler in the synopsis. They eventually, about halfway through the movie, they, they do escape. Uh, I won't say how they escape and things like that, but so you get you get a glimpse of uh, this woman and her five year old son, who have been uh, locked in a shack for seven years. So even before the son was born, and they're being held captive there by a guy who comes in like once a week to uh, bring supplies and uh, essentially rape Brie Larson's character. Um, and it's pretty sick, you know. Essentially? But, well, you know, she doesn't fight back, really. But, you know, she doesn't want, you know, yeah. to do it. Well, isn't that like me saying a, a bit of ethnic cleansing? <laughs> <laughs> it's rape, but it's, there's not a struggle, is what I'm saying. Like, she's, she's resigned herself to her fate. And uh, just kind of yeah. takes it. I know, I'm just giving you shit. But, uh, yeah, and then uh, once they get out, it, it does a really good job of where a lot of movies might end with the rescue. And, you know, everything was happy, happily ever after, and everything was peaches and cream. And this movie kind of shows you where that's just kind of the start of where the work begins to getting back to normal. It doesn't just happen overnight. You got to overcome a lot of your, your demons that have, you know, built up over the last, you know, seven years of captivity and adjust to a new life. And with the kid having never known a different life, it's uh, does a good job of demonstrating his just wonder of discovering the outside world. And it's uh, it's a real tearjerker. It's gonna mm-hmm. hit you in the feels. It's not necessarily a uh, you know a happy movie. There are moments that 
you know, you feel good for the characters and there's moments where, you know, you, you feel bad for them in their circumstances and things like that. But it lived up to a lot of the hype. Um, a lot of people really praised this movie. Did Brie Larson win the Oscar for this one or is she nominated? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she won. I'd, I'd say that's pretty well deserved. Uh, I don't know who else was around uh, that year for nominees, but um, I don't have a problem with her, her taking that based on her performance. It was, it was really, really good. Uh, and I would recommend it as a uh, WTM soonish for Room. Soonish. Yeah, I liked it you know, quite a bit when I saw it too, and I bought it on Blu-ray, although I have not watched it since I bought it on Blu-ray. So I haven't seen it since the theater. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's one of those movies where like oh that's a great movie i should buy that and then you're like well you should have thought about it when you're buying it and then like you probably won't watch it much <laughs> it's it's real bittersweet yeah because there are moments where like you feel like genuine happiness for a relief for the characters like overcoming things but then it's mm-hmm. like it's real like it's not like a fairy tale it's it's very realistic and it's a depiction of the traumatic incident and then the post-trauma and uh, kind of getting over it doesn't sugarcoat anything and this came out not too long after was it that guy in ohio was it that had the what the three women uh yeah, yeah locked up in his house for years did this come out after that yeah i believe so yeah it must have that guy ended up killing himself in prison yeah but yeah, he had he had three. He, he abducted them as teenagers, and he held them for ten years in his house. And then uh, I think he had a kid with one, right? At Maybe least, even, yeah. I think they he did some home abortions on a couple of them too. It was real disgusting shit. Um, but that was that uh, that dude was uh, a black man. Just happened to be walking by, and one of the one of the women somehow got out and was trying to get out of the house and he's like white woman run up to you and ask for help that's the dead giveaway (laughs) remember that guy yeah i remember that interview the dead giveaway guy Mm -hmm. and uh he kind of spurred the rescue of the rest of them but uh yeah it's very similar to that story in uh in a lot of ways well the next movie i'm going to talk about is from 2019 jay and silent bob reboot Directed, written by Kevin Smith, starring, it's hard to even do the credit list for this because it's pretty much all just cameos. So you can say Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Harley Quinn Smith, and then a million cameos. And Ben Affleck, you know, reprising his role of Holden McNeil from the previous, let's see, Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, and I think Jason Amy. And, you know, a lot of people are reprising their roles, mm-hmm. a lot of new cameos. Um, Fred Armisen's in here, Diedrich Bader. What could go wrong with a movie that's almost 100% cameos? Mm-hmm. Synopsis. Jane and the Bob return to Hollywood to stop a reboot of the Blunt Man and Chronic movie from getting made. This movie was god-awful. Just a big steaming pile of shit. Uh, I basically, I got it, uh, I bought it on Blu-ray, which I'll n- <laughs> never watch it again. I, it was cheap and I was using a 
gift card, like a reward zone bucks at Best Buy. Yeah. And I got it. So I was like, well, I'll be a completist. You know, I haven't heard good things, but and I'm not the biggest fan of Jane Side of Bob Strike Back either. But, you know, I like Clerks 1 and 2 a lot. Uh, I like Dogma. I like Mall Rats. So I guess I was trying to be like a completist. The view a skew <laughs> universe. But, uh, well, I mean, I thought there'd at least be, I don't know, good scenes. <laughs> like a few good scenes. Because like Jane Side of Bob Strike Back, like it's not good. But there's some scenes in there that I really like or, you know, find pretty funny. Yeah, none of that was found in here. Did I chuckle a couple of times? Yeah, a little bit, but it was very few and far in between. Just not funny. Rehashing all the old jokes, which uh, I kind of expect. You know, they, they do callbacks in their other movies too, but this just wasn't funny. Uh, Kevin Smith's daughter was terrible. <laughs> like, I saw that uh, movie Yoga Hosers. And I don't remember her being horseshit in there. I mean, that movie wasn't good either, but it at least, I don't know, it's entertained me a little bit while I was watching it. Like, I don't remember having like a hatred for it. Like, I kind of do this one, I guess. <laughs> like, I wouldn't watch that one again either, but uh, this is just, oh, it was terrible. And like Jason Mewes, he has new teeth now, you know, because all his old ones are all methed out. Yeah. So they had to get a new set of chompers and it's really distracting because it's the teeth are like too big for his mouth now. So like his, his lips kind of jut out because they have to go over his humongous teeth now. <laughs> so he looks really weird. That's uh, how Roman Reigns looks now that he came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, there's just not much to say about it. It wasn't funny. Uh, it's just complete waste of time. And I don't even want to waste that much more time talking about it. So I'll just say WTM never. Oof. Never. Oof. I don't know if I ever saw all of Jane's Silent Bob Strike Back. I think I've seen a lot of it, like on TV, like on Comedy Central. Yeah. But like way back when they used to show it a lot. But I don't know if I ever sat through the whole thing. I've seen a lot of other Kevin Smith movies, like Clerks 1 and 2, Dogma I've seen, Mallrats I've seen. My brother told me to watch Tusk and Yoga Hosers. He said those are funny, so I might watch those at some point, but uh, I haven't seen those yet. Yeah. Jane Silent Bob Reboot kind of had the same release uh, as uh, three from Hell, <coughs> 3 from Hell last year. It was uh, uh, it was in theaters for like three days in uh, October or November last year, I think. And it was, uh, what's that? I forget what the company is called that does the special engagements. Yeah, I forget too. It's been so long since I've seen the, gone to the theater. They usually show like older movies, but they were the ones that ran these limited releases. And I thought about going to see it and then it's like, it's like 15 bucks and I can't use my A-list for it. <laughs> it's not, I'm not a big fan of Jay and Silent Bob as like main characters. Like maybe they're okay as side characters and uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're much better as side characters, I should say. But yeah, I don't, if, if I can catch it for free, I might check it out just to see 
if there's anything worth seeing in there, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I were to watch this again, I would have to be really high. And even if I was like, I was thinking about it, like, well, what if, you know, you know, you, you know, these are stoner movies. You gotta, you're supposed to, you gotta smoke weed and watch this. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about it. Like, even if I was high, I don't think I would think it was funny. <laughs> Would just be bored and fall asleep. I think is what would happen. Didn't they sober up Jason Mewes before this one came out? So he was like, he's been sober for a few years, yeah, several years, because he's been doing that podcast with Kevin Smith, the Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. I don't know if they okay. still do that, but they started that podcast like six years ago. But it was cleaned the, up as of then. Is this the first time he played Jay since he got sober? Yes, like in a movie. Yep. So. I'm sure that uh, didn't affect his performance at all. All right. What else have you seen lately? I saw a 2019 movie also. It's a remake called The Addams Family. And it's directed by Greg Tiernan and Conrad Vernon. Stars Oscar Isaac, Charlize Theron, Chloe Grace Moretz, Finn Wolfhard, Nick Kroll, Snoop Dogg, Bette Midler, Allison Janney, Martin Short, Catherine O'Hara, Titus Burgess, Jennifer Lewis, Elsie Fisher, Conrad Vernon, uh, Amy Garcia. That's probably about enough. And the synopsis is... The eccentrically macabre family moves to a bland suburb where Wednesday Adams's friendship with the daughter of a hostile and conformist local reality, local reality show host exacerbates conflict between the families. This was okay. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. I'm, I'm sure I've seen the live action ones from the early 90s, but... I can't for the life of me remember the last time I did or when I did, <laughs> but I, I'm sure I've seen those. Uh, I'm sure those were also better than this. This one's a little weird. It starts with the wedding of Gomez and Morticia and then shows them getting run out of their village or whatever by an angry mob with torches and whatever. And then uh, they move to New Jersey to get away and then it jumps ahead. 13 years and so the reality tv show host is like a like a interior designer or like a hdtv type host yeah and she kind of runs the the town that's developed in the valley below the uh the adams family home and uh she's kind of upset that the adams family uh has a different style than everybody else she wants them to uh, conform the city is called it's either called assimilate or assimilation i can't remember it's really on the nose <laughs> you know and uh when they kind of push back she starts spreading rumors about them you know and how they're monsters and how they're coming to hurt your you know the neighbors and stuff and kind of rallies riles up the neighborhood against them and it's uh it's a clear allegory for like uh, illegal immigration, I would say is probably the most 
close uh, analogy. And then there's some other subplots. There's a subplot about what's the son's name? Pugsley. Pugsley yep. has to undergo some kind of rite of passage uh, because he's turning eight or something. And, uh, and then the whole family, the extended family is coming in for that. And Wednesday finds out that there's a school with other kids her age and she wants to rebel from the family by going to school and kind of dressing like the other girls. And there's a lot of things going on. And I don't, I've only seen maybe a couple episodes of the original Adams Family uh, sitcom from the 60s. Um, so I don't have a huge frame of reference, but it seemed more like a Munsters uh, storyline in a lot of ways. Uh, as far as like the the neighborhood kind of rising up and, you know, running the monsters out and mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And the uh, teenager trying to rebel and whatever. But it, it uh, I don't know, like, like I said, I, to me, maybe I'm, I just don't have the basis of Adam's family knowledge, but it felt more like a Munsters type of storyline. Um, I see. Overall, there's some funny parts in there. Like it's not, it's not a great movie, but you probably won't get super bored with it either. You know, it's it's good enough to put on for you know. Like if you got kids, you probably your kids would probably like it, and it's not like torturous like some other family movies. So there's that. But uh, I I don't think you necessarily have to go out of your way to see it. But probably stick to the uh, the older versions, and. Uh, the 2019 Adams Family, I'll give a WTM Last Resort. That's a last resort. All right. Last movie I'm going to talk about today is also from 2019. Queen and Slim, directed by Melina Matsukis, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Jody Turner-Smith, Bokeem Woodbine, Chloe Sevigny, Flea, Sturgill Simpson, India Moore, or India Moore, Benito Martinez. That's about it. Synopsis. A couple's first date takes an unexpected turn when a police officer pulls them over. Sure does. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jody Turner-Smith and Daniel Kaluuya are on their first date, a Tinder date, at a diner. And they get pulled over. And it's not a spoiler alert because it was in all the trailers. Something happens and Danny Kaluuya ends up shooting the officer and killing him. Uh, Someone in, uh, in self-defense, as they claim. I mean, people on both sides of the issue are going to argue their way. but Right. And there's a, a kid took video of it and posted online. Well, it was a dash cam video from the well, police officer's car. There was video. Yeah. I thought there was another witness, but I don't remember. Go ahead. And so they go on the run, and the film follows them as they're on the run. Uh, they meet uh, her uncle, Bokeem Woodbine. I was, uh, I've been liking him more and more. I liked him in uh, season two of Fargo. I think it's season two. Yeah. Yeah, and, he was on that. And he was also in The Sopranos. Uh, season one and 
one of the other seasons as well. Like I've been seeing him more and more lately, and like I tend to think he has quite a bit of charisma. Like seeing him on screen, he's been around a long time. If you look at his IMDb, yeah. like he goes back to at least the mid, if not early '90s, maybe can't, even beyond that. Can't get right from life. <laughs> the Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy life. Yeah, there's like three or four different movies called Life. He's so. the guy who can't talk. He plays <laughs> baseball really well. It impregnates the uh, warden's daughter. That movie wasn't very funny to me. It was hilarious to me. It was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it didn't live up to expectations. Well, that's because Eddie Murphy never got fat in it. That's why he didn't like it. <laughs> he, played himself. he played himself. <laughs> he didn't play a character. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty surprised to see Flea show up. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. Well, especially the role he plays too, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess, well, yeah, straight-laced, well, uh, yeah. regular suburban dad I guess, or suburban husband. Wasn't he former military too? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, the performances are really good in here. I've always liked Daniel Kaluuya and what I've seen him in. I've never seen Jodie Turner-Smith before, although she did have a bit part in Neon Demon. Okay. But I barely remember her in that. I thought... Uh some of the marketing made it seem like this was like, I don't know if it was, they're saying it was her first starring role, but they made it seem like this was her first like movie. Yeah. And I was pretty excited to see this uh, when it came out. And this did come out, of course, pre George Floyd. Now, obviously it was after like 2016 Ferguson stuff, but I guess, you know, police shootings and their treatment of, African-Americans weren't as necessarily in the forefront of, I guess, the culture's brain right when this came out, I don't think. You know, there were still, I guess, controversial shootings that happened every few months since, like, the Mike Brown stuff. Yeah. But it was also a little different seeing it, I guess, in a post-George Floyd world, if that's what you want to call it. Because I was a little worried about them just making every white person in here like every white person in a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> Not that they're always inaccurate or anything like that. I like a lot of Spike Lee movies, but. Just a quick uh, side note. I just watched the first episode of Love, Lovecraft Country. and uh-huh. That's how they are in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought that they... I guess how would you describe it? They they gave some points or some some concessions almost to both sides of the issue, I would say. I think so. Yeah. It's definitely more one sided than than not, but I thought they kind of played both sides of the aisle a little bit. And it wasn't just, you know, there was some white characters in here that were very good people. Like not just one. Like that wasn't like a token good white character like a spike lee movie because there's usually one <laughs> like, right no other ones you know there was more than one in here uh, obviously it was a white cop uh that was shot in the beginning but uh it's kind of the follows the typical bonnie and clyde type of movie criminals on the run uh it was entertaining i thought i i, I don't really know i can't really put my finger on it i thought it might have just been missing something but i can't describe 
what it would be. Because like I said, the performances are really good. I don't have any qualms about the direction or the dialogue. The shot well, looked good. There wasn't really any big scenes I disagreed with or anything like that. I'm like, oh, that's bullshit or anything, you know? Yeah. But I don't know maybe another viewing to change my mind, but for now I'll give it an eventually. Eventually. Definitely worth the time. Yeah, I can't remember if I reviewed it on the podcast or not. I think I would have given it a soonish. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I did already, but I really liked the uh, development of their relationship from kind of contentious to, you know, we're in this together. We better, you know. Yeah, it's not a good first date before the incident. (laughs) Let's let's find some commonalities and, you know, nobody has experienced what we've experienced. And I liked how that developed. Um, some of the other stuff with the involving like the police and, and protesting and, and whatever not or whatever else I thought was maybe a little bit, you know, lacking, but that's a smaller portion of the movie uh, versus like the love story. Um, and I thought that that overcame a lot of the, uh, the uh, downside of the other stuff. I will say, uh, no spoilers here, but the director made a curious choice here. I'm not saying it's a bad choice or a good choice, but there's a sex scene that's juxtaposed with something else. (laughs) And I was thrown off a little bit. Like, I couldn't tell if I liked it or didn't like it. Like, I was thinking about it like, well, would I just put those two scenes separate, like back to back? Or putting them together makes more sense. But it was weird. It was just like, huh, <laughs> that's that's a decision that person made. <laughs> I will say, I remember that sex scene being pretty popular on Twitter when that came out. Oh, yeah? Because it's, it's pretty graphic. You know, it's pretty intense. But, yeah, it is, it is kind of counterplayed against some other stuff that is like, that's not very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to feel. This is <laughs> this is confusing. I uh, obviously that was intentional, you know, with yeah. how they did it. But uh, I was like, well, that's that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear your thoughts on the movie I challenged you to last episode, Thunderball. Yeah, from 1965, directed by Terrence Young, and it starred Sean Connery, Claudine Auger. Adolfo Selly, Luciana Paluzzi, Rick Van Nutter. That's a name. <laughs> sure is. Guy Dolman, Molly Peters, Martine Beswick or Martine Beswick, Bernard Lee, Desmond Llewellyn, Lois Maxwell. I don't know. Do I have to name any more? Any more no, than two? Good. Synopsis, James Bond heads to the Bahamas to recover two nuclear warheads stolen by Spectre agent Emilio Largo in an international extortion scheme. Takes a sweet time getting there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, get into the Bahamas or get into the extortion scheme part? Uh, A little bit of this, a little bit of that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, when you're underwater, you can only move so fast. There's a lot of underwater stuff. There's, I don't know, like water, 
like boating and swimming and stuff in movies like I have very little interest in a lot of that stuff like it never it never piques my interest uh for the most part I don't know if I would say never but yeah so it seemed like it honestly seemed like there's a lot of fillers that they could have just like cut out because it's like there's a lot of and we could get to it when we talk about spoilers but like just like the first few scenes like have very little to do with the rest of the movie like the opening scene I don't even know why it's a cold open he's at a funeral for there's a they start with a casket with a thing over it that has jb on it and then they pan up to the balcony and james bond is talking to a woman and she's like he's got the same initials as you like yeah he does doesn't he you probably thought i was in there didn't you fooled you (laughs) and then he gets in a he ends up getting in a fight with somebody and i hated how they edited the fight scenes so there's the one at the beginning and then the one at the like towards the very end of the movie where they slow crank it well it's very yeah it's very choppy and then they speed up the film Mm -hmm. and then like a lot of times it looked like they were cutting as he was about to make contact or as either one was going to make contact with the other and it was very jarring a way of editing a fight scene never mind that james bond is just like a terrible fighter like he's got (laughs) like terrible technique (laughs) he's a brawler He's a he's, 60s brawler. He uses furniture and stuff. He gets he gets monkey flipped by a guy in high heels. It's a man, baby. Now <laughs> you know where that came from in Austin Powers. You should have never opened the door. <laughs> that was your first mistake. But anyways, so there's like a... How long does that scene go? Like five, ten minutes almost? Like the first section? And it's all just to get him into this like spa where he's recovering from a bruise that he got on his ribs in the fight. And he's there for like 30 minutes of the movie. And then uh, they kind of get into the scheme and you see the specter, uh, you know, numbers one through 10. And uh, number two, (laughs) number two with his eye patch. You cannot park your car here. Oh, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so so eventually they get into the uh the plot and uh it just happens it's just a lot of coincidence early in the movie that james bond just happens to be at the same spa as one of the guys who's involved in the plot and then he just happens to stumble over you know kind of the the aftermath of, of the early portion of it and then this, like a lot of the other movies, it's like he's just going around introducing himself to all these guys, and like they know who he is and they know what his job is, but like you don't just find a way to kill him. I mean, just find a way to kill him. <laughs> like you know, James Bond, he killed half your crew. <laughs> and, and even if you don't know him at first, like he keeps showing up and like dropping hints, mm-hmm. like. Like he pops into what game were they were playing that card game at the casino? I don't even know what game they're they're playing. Uh, it's always um, God, I forget that having a brain fart in the name, but they play that game all the time at Bond until like the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah, it's and I don't know the rules of it. <laughs> 
so yeah, it's very frustrating sometimes because it's it's almost like blackjack but like each player takes a turn being the dealer and then they have a shoe and then like they each get two cards and then i don't know if because like the one the one time he was dealt like a, a king and a seven or something and he's like i got an eight and then bond's like i got a nine and i guess bond won so I might be wrong in this, but I remember looking like when I knew what game it was years ago, I looked up and like how to play it and the rules. And I vaguely remember something about, I think you want to be close to the number 10. So, and I don't think a king, a face card is necessarily a 10. It might be a one. It might yeah, be like okay. a one in value. So I think you're supposed to be close to 10 without, you know, going over and under or like that's, object is to get to 10 or something like that okay that had something to do with it <laughs> versus like the person you're playing against i don't know if you're closer to 10 than they are than you win or i don't know something like that but then they had like a whole table of people there and then everybody else dropped out when they raised the stakes but that's really not that important uh i guess in the grand scheme of things but James Bond says the word specter to number two about six times in two minutes. And <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like, like, you know, this guy knows who you are. He knows your cover. You know that James Bond is here to spoil your plans. Just find a way to kill him. Just <laughs> do it. Well, they and do try he, and fail sometimes. And then how many women did he coerce into sex? At least one of the spa was. This was like peak rapey bond right there. She does not want to at first, and he basically blackmails her. Yeah, because they put him. (laughs) She they got this contraption they call the rack, rack, and it's to stretch his back out. And some dude comes on and puts it on full blast for some reason. It it has a setting that you know rips you in half, even (laughs) though it didn't really, but. He, uh, yeah, like you said, he blackmails her so that she, you know, he won't tell that she left the room and let somebody come in and tinker with the machine when he was tied down. And uh, he just like rips her clothes off and pulls her into the Turkish bath. <laughs> and then they like press up on the, the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know she was into it because they started dating afterward until he left. <laughs> yeah, and then he does it to like three or four other chicks during the the rest of the movie, and uh, it's I don't know, but yeah, like I said, it seemed like they they kind of dragged it out like more than they needed to. Mm-hmm. Like there could have been more action scenes. There's. Uh, yeah, and then as I mentioned with James Bond, he's not a very good spy. <laughs> like I thought he was supposed to be a good spy, but he's just out there introducing himself to everybody. Everybody knows who he is, and for whatever reason, they just let him go about his business. I don't know. And then uh, the fight scenes kind of sucked. I thought you were over that, Brett. The underwater because he, he does that. He does that in Goldfinger. <laughs> and he's the guest of the villain for like the last half of the movie and everyone knows who everybody is but well goldfinger was a much better <laughs> he was a much better character than number yeah. two number yeah. two kind of sucks 
And why is he fighting the number two guy? I want to see him fight the number one guy. Nobody well, gives a shit about number two. <laughs> what a throwaway movie. There's an underwater fight scene with about 15 or like, like, I don't know, 40 people fighting underwater and it goes on forever. And it's like they're in slow motion because they're underwater. Mm-hmm. I, I hated that. <laughs> like, <laughs> just end. Just fucking end. He gets shot in the leg at one point. Yeah, I was when that happened, I forgot he got shot. And I was trying to think, how many times has Bond actually been shot in a movie? It's not very many times. He doesn't go down. He barely even limps. It's just a, a fucking uh, lazy way to give them a the people who are chasing them a, a trail of blood to follow because mm-hmm. he puts like a tourniquet on it in the bathroom after he gets away and then he's fine yeah and then the next day he goes swimming in the ocean with it uh, totally exposed with no bandages or anything like in the salt water you know <laughs> like nothing happened like they totally forgot that he got shot in the scene before it <laughs> so I was, I was mad at that but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this was the bottom towards the bottom of the ones that you've had me watch so far. Uh, I probably spoiled more than I should have already. But uh, Thunderball give a, a last resort. That's a last resort. All right. So it is time for the challenge. This is a challenge. What are you going to challenge me to watch for next recently seen episode? I'm going to challenge you to watch a classic 1950s sci-fi movie called Forbidden Planet. I was actually just reading a little bit about it today because Leslie Nielsen is in it, correct? Sure is. He was talking about he thought that ruined part of his career like on television. Like nobody wanted him because everyone identified him with that film. That's weird. So he claimed... He's like talking about how he didn't get Star Trek because everyone was thinking me of being on Forbidden Planet and all that. Oh, he didn't like he was going out for like other similar sci-fi roles, and they're like, well, "Yeah, you're already Captain Whatever." So, I mean, this was his opinion, and I'm sure some of it there's some truth to it. But yeah, I don't know what he did because uh, I know he did a lot of serious stuff up until kind of like the Naked Gun, yeah, or Airplane, even. Poseidon Adventure. Whatever came first, but I never got around to watching the Poseidon Adventure. I was going to watch it after I saw the Towering Inferno, but the Towering Inferno took like two and a half hours to burn, so it was a little worn out for a disaster. You stole it? The Towering Inferno? (laughs) It took two hours to burn like you were stealing it off the internet. I was like, oh, you didn't watch it because it took too long to burn. Took two hours to burn that movie. So I meant the tower. The tower <laughs> in the movie took two and a half hours to burn. It's a really long movie. Yeah, OJ's in that, right? Uh, he might be. I know Steve McQueen's. It's got a pretty good cast. Steve McQueen's kind of the main firefighter. But anyways, yeah. So I don't know all of uh, Leslie Nielsen's career, but uh, he was pretty good in Forbidden Planet. It's also the first appearance of Robbie the Robot. (laughs) I think there's a line. You know, we mentioned Robbie the Robot had a cameo in uh, Gremlins. 
Yeah, Gremlins. Yeah. I forget. I think there's a line that he has in Gremlins, which is straight from Forbidden Planet. Because when I, I rewatched it the other day and I there's a line in there, I'm like, that sounds super familiar. And I haven't seen this movie in a couple of years. So I, I think it was from his Gremlins cameo. Hmm. But yeah, it's uh it's pretty good stuff. Old school sci-fi. It's in color. Anne Francis is in there. All right. You know, Anne Francis. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll kind of wrap up the show a little bit and then you can stick around for Thunderball spoilers if you so choose. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie and Brett at positively old one. Check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on the Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. So, Thunderball. Austin Powers made a lot more sense now, doesn't it, after watching Thunderball? I can't even remember the last time I saw, I saw Austin Powers, to be honest. Well, it's I, a perfect uh, time to watch it now after just seeing Thunderball, because that's the main movie it rips off out of, I mean, it's, there's things from pretty much uh, the first five Conneries. Mm-hmm. The only thing from Honor Majesty's Secret Service is basically the suit that there's a scene where George Lazenby is wearing like a, like a crushed velvet suit with like the ruffle shirt that yeah. Austin Powers wears. That's basically all it takes from there. And then maybe a couple of things from, Diamonds Are Forever and Live and Let Die, maybe. Live and Let Die, actually, yeah. You, you saw that one. Remember at the end, uh, Yafet Kodo gets that uh, shark. Uh, it, was, it was a shark gun round where it had like released gas and would blow up the shark. So yeah. blew Yafet Kodo up into a big balloon. <laughs> <laughs> it blew up, uh, they also blew up the couch that uh, Whispers was, Whisper was sitting on. Right. His name's Whisper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I might, maybe I'll rewatch Austin Powers at some point. You mentioned the Mm -hmm. (laughs) jetpack. He he pulls it out of his ass. Like he doesn't have it and then he has it. And then he flies about 10 feet away. He must have left it on one of those walkways outside. (laughs) I'm going to need this later. He's on the roof and then he, he... flies over to the car where the woman's waiting for him and then for some reason she doesn't have the car running and uh why his car doesn't start first time i don't know but you know he's got to use fire hoses Mm -hmm. to uh why are they standing in the path of the fire hose Mm -hmm. like the first guy goes down and the other (laughs) two just run right into it (laughs) the 60s brett i guess but then, like like I said, the uh, the scene at the the spa where he's recovering, or that section of the movie, I mean, that's got to be at least half an hour long. I mean, at least, doesn't it? Maybe maybe even longer. It might have been like an hour in before he get out of there. But uh, it seemed to go on for a long, long time. The uh, plastic surgery bit was kind of funny. <laughs> Like when he shows up at the door, you could tell like they had some real primitive special effects to have the guy facing himself. 
It's like, yeah. just get a double. <laughs> just have a double and shoot his, shoot him from the back. You know? <laughs> or, or maybe you can, uh, you can cast twins or something. But, and then he gasses the guy and he, you know, he covers his face late. They all are real slow putting their, their face coverings up as the other guy gets gassed. So that was funny. Do like, you like Domino? Oh, <laughs> yeah. They had some, some good-looking women in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them were, were pretty top-notch. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that one just kept popping up, the uh, the evil one. Yeah. You know? And she even had to have sex with James Bond, and then she's like, you know, you turn everybody else good, but it doesn't work on me. <laughs> It's like, why didn't you just kill him then? Like, why do you have to take him back to the house or wherever they were taking him to? And then uh, find out what he knows first. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, you know, they're coming for you anyways. Yeah. But I forget. What does he use to light the guy on fire in the car? Did she have like perfume or something? Or it was like alcohol. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. They had the the street urchin was looking for money or something. And he stuck his bottle of alcohol in. Oh, yeah. And Bond, like, broke it over the front seat. And then yep. the lady was lighting her cigarette and he threw her fucking lighter. He got yeah, the guy's arm. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> and then that's where he got shot because he runs out of the, the car. And I thought he got it, like, either on the ankle bone or in the Achilles tendon. Which is pretty debilitating. Uh, but then it was like higher up on his calf when he went to, to treat it later. But uh, so irritated. He didn't even go down. He gets shot in the leg. He doesn't even go down. He's still running on it. Like he's barely limping. Like what the fuck is your leg made out of? Is he a Terminator? <laughs> so yeah, the underwater stuff. Now, this movie, at least, I think used to be, you know, I told you that, you know, a lot of people have different Bond movies as their favorites. Mm-hmm. There's a general consensus around, like, Casino Royale from the new ones, uh, Goldfinger, the you know, one you only live, or um, from Russia with Love. Uh, Thunderball was another one that people loved and considered maybe, you know, one of the best Bonds, if not the best Bond. But that crowd has definitely died down over the past 10 years or so and i think it's because this movie doesn't hold up well like so i mean not like all of them hold up really well but this one more than others does not i think it's because of some of the underwater stuff and like the slow crank stuff the the, i think the worst part of it is that rock that jetpack in the beginning looks (laughs) so just out of nowhere like so fake and they do the rear projection as he's in the air. Like they cut yeah. between like a stuntman taking off and then him and rear project with the rear projection. Yeah. And then they cut to a wide shot. And then it's there's a lot of editing going on with that jetpack. Yeah, I forgot that they actually had a guy in a jetpack, like a stunt guy. And I was like, you just show him the whole time. That's incredible. Right. 65, he had a jetpack. Right. That's that's awesome. And then it just pops up and then it disappears. Like, like it's just it's like a video game, like GTA. Switch to my jetpack. Yeah. 
snow, a lot of people, you know, they don't like it as much because of the underwater stuff. I, on the other hand, really like the underwater stuff. I think it's kind of exciting. I think it's really cool. Like for 65, the shots they're able to, and stunts they're able to pull off underwater. And I like the score that they play in the background. Like, I, I love that shit. And it's kind, of, it's kind of funny how they use the sharks too. Because yeah. this is pre-Jaws. So like people weren't as afraid of sharks apparently. But, you know, like shoot that shark so that uh, the other ones go get it and eat it. And then I'll be safe. Fun fact about those sharks in Largo's pool. Yeah. There's that scene where Bond is s- swimming underwater and he opens up like a little hatch or door on the side of a pool and a shark comes out towards him. Mm-hmm. And you can see Sean Connery like freak out like, ah, oh, shit, and gets out of the way. Yeah, they didn't tell him that there was a shark behind that door. <laughs> so his surprise was genuine because, oh, fuck, there's a shark right in front of my face coming right. at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty that's pretty cool i was kind of confused by that do they have two pools yeah they have have the cover over the one that bond went in with the with the goon because they had the shark pool and then like the regular swimming pool yeah and then they opened the thing on the shark pool and then james ended up coming out of the that door at the end but nobody was there because they're like he can never swim through the shark pool (laughs) like did they because they didn't open, did they open the hatch on the, the other pool where, where Bond was? Or did they just expect him to swim through there and get eaten somewhere along the way? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense. How it was, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, the underwater stuff, it does bother me. And, you know, some people who really love this movie, maybe because it's nostalgia factor, they saw when they were kids or younger and they like it now this was one of the rare bond movies i barely ever saw as a kid like during the marathons i usually ended up watching other ones we just didn't seem to watch this one much we didn't have it on vhs so like when i bought the that blu-ray set i have i guess that's eight years ago now it was the 50th anniversary and it was when skyfall came out and so I watched Thunderball again from there and I didn't really remember jack shit from that basically. And I really liked it. I was like, cause I had heard at the time I was like, well, people mm-hmm. used to love it and now it, you know, it doesn't hold up well. So people kind of hate it. They don't like underwater stuff. So I don't know, maybe it's cause I was expecting to not like it that I liked it, but I enjoy it now. And I mean, I kind of thought you would not like it, but I, well, maybe he'll like the yeah. underwater stuff or like the entertainment factor of, like ridiculousness of certain things like the jet pack and the rear projection and the slow crank, especially at the end when they're fighting on the boat and the boat is just back and forth, left, right, left, right, left, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The boat was going so fast. (laughs) Yeah. I thought, I thought the way they edited that, that fight scene at the end on the boat was like, Oh, this is rough. Like, why did you edit it like that? I will say with the uh, the big war underwater just prior to that, like some of the stunts in there were pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. It just with it being so like slow motion from being underwater compared to like everything else being like once they got the action scenes going, 
it it just felt like it was in yeah. slow motion and it it went on for probably at least 10 15 minutes is what it felt like and it was like like how many times can you cut the guy's fucking uh air tube o- yeah <laughs> oxygen tube or pull his mask off or shoot him with a harpoon i like those harpoon ones i like the special effects of people getting shot with the harpoons like everything yeah. looked pretty real that was pretty good um it was weird to me so when bond let's see they pick him up from the like the ravine or whatever i forget he escapes the house or something like that and then they can pick him up in the helicopter and they give him like the uh the american uh body suit and i swear when he dives in he's got pants on he's got like, the full body uh head to toe and then when he's swimming around it's just like a like a onesie and he's got his uh his uh you know daisy duke uh swim trunks on but it's like it connects down in between his legs and then he's bare legged it looks really weird but i i thought that was it was uh, baffling to me because it seemed like a, a continuity error, but maybe maybe his legs were just looking orange when he jumped out. Yeah, I can't remember. But he didn't have a fucking, you know, bullet hole in his leg. <laughs> <laughs> like I would think that if he went swimming in the ocean the next day, that his bullet hole wound would be weeping a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. in the in the salt water, that would probably sting a little bit too. Well, one last thing I wanted to talk about was the legal dispute behind this movie. This is pretty fascinating. So, this was originally supposed to be the first Bond movie, mm-hmm. and so Ian Fleming wrote the book, and then he had like this private island or had this house on an island in Jamaica that he owned called GoldenEye. Also the name of a future Bond movie, but he did a lot of his writing there. I think he actually did on like a golden typewriter, something like that. It's like ridiculous shit like that. (laughs) But anyways, he wrote the screenplay for this movie with a guy named Kevin McClory and Jack Whittingham. And they couldn't do this movie at first because McClory and Jack Whittingham sued Fleming um, after the publication of the novel, because they claimed he, he based on the screenplay that the trio had earlier written, kind of going by Wikipedia here, but written in a failed cinematic translation of Bond. Mm-hmm. They kind of wrote it, the screenplay, and then Fleming did a novel after that. And like, well, he stole that. So these are our characters we came up with together. And so it was kind of in a legal battle for a while. And then they finally did the movie in 65, and this issue ran all the way until 2006. And so earlier, um, because there was like a ruling and then there was appeals and appeals. And right. so uh, the lawsuit was first settled out of court and McClory retained certain screen rights to the novel story, plot and characters. And by then, of course, Bond was a Bond office success. And uh, producers... Uh, Broccoli and Salzman feared a rival McClory film beyond their control. Uh, they agreed to McClory's producer credit of uh, Thunderball with them as executive producer. So that's kind of how they eased the waters there and did this movie. We gave him producer credit. But uh, later on, 
after you only live twice, Sean Connery was tired of kind of being in the limelight. He wasn't getting any privacy. Uh, there's some crazy stories about him filming that in Japan and the fans were just, it was like the Beatles, you know, the fans were nuts about him. He wasn't getting paid enough for what he was worth. And even later on in a, he was on Johnny Carson one time and Carson asked him what his, whose favorite Bond villain was. And he said, Cubby Broccoli. <laughs> so they didn't, uh, they weren't on good terms for a long time. So did he quit to do Zardoz? <laughs> Not initially. So he quit. I forget when Zardoz came out. He quit, and then Lazenby did Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and then Lazenby was a moron and didn't want to shave his beard and thought Bond was over with because the hippie thing was going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And so he basically didn't want to do that. And the next one, so then they got Connery to come back for Diamonds Are Forever for $1 million, which was big at the time. And then he was done after that. Until the early 80s. When Kevin McClory said, hey, let's do Thunderball again. Because he has the rights to everything that's in Thunderball. So he can use Blofeld. He can use, you know, number two, a lot of the Spectre stuff. All that stuff was in there. So after that decision initially, Bond couldn't use Spectre anymore. They couldn't use Blofeld. (laughs) So after Diamonds Are Forever... Uh, Blofeld is basically gone. And so in the summer of 1983, there was dueling Bond films. Octopussy came out with Roger Moore, which is like his sixth out of seventh movie. And Sean Connery returns to reprise his role of James Bond in Never Say Never Again, which is just a remake of Thunderball. But it's, I watched it not too long ago for like the second time maybe. And it's surprisingly good. Like, it's decent. And there isn't, there's some more underwater fighting, but not much. And it's better now. I mean, there's other, like Kim Basinger is the Bond girl. Like, it has a good cast. Yeah. And Bond plays a video game in it. And, like, oh, him boy. and the villain face off in this video game that'll <laughs> shock you if you, uh, like, lose. <laughs> it's pretty, it's like very early 80s stuff. It's pretty hilarious. But yeah, it's like a solid movie. So Octopussy didn't end up doing better that than Never Seen Ever Again, but it's just crazy because like that guy had the rights to one story and these characters and like you can make a Bond movie, but it has to be Thunderball. <laughs> <laughs> so once we finally get to Octopussy, I'm going to have you watch Octopussy and Thunderball. So you're going to see Thunderball again. That's going to be Never Say Never Again. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be better. It's got to be better than the the original, right? Yeah. That's hot off of uh, Sean Connery saying that sometimes you just got to slap a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get hysterical, you know? So, uh, you know, when you end up watching the next Bond movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I think you'll like it definitely a lot better than this. Uh, be interesting to see your thoughts. Uh, a lot of people, this is their favorite Bond movie. Under Majesty's Secret Service. Um, Telly Savalas is Blofeld. Maybe you'll get a kick out of him. I don't know. It's very weird. Like his, like the whole plot is bizarre. But there's some good stuff. It takes place mostly in the Alps. So get some skiing, some action scenes. Oh, there you go. Like that. 
not underwater, above frozen water. How about that? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes when we get there. All right. Any other thoughts you wanted to share? We covered a lot. I think we covered most of it. Yeah, I think we I think we got the most. I don't they can't think of anything else right now. It's kind of surprising that Domino saves Bond's life at the end because it's very rare that at the very end he actually gets saved by I guess especially a woman. That's what uh one other thing. You know, it's the that scientist that unties her. Mm-hmm. The three of them jump off the boat and only two of them get saved. <laughs> What happened to that other guy? Uh, maybe he got into another raft. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said he couldn't swim. He said he didn't know how to swim. And Bond's like, never a better time to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just leave him to drown, apparently. Well, they're pretty close to shore. And there was all those like little rock islands that they were weaving in and out of. That they're, pretty, they're pretty close boat to that that's boat that's going 80 knots an hour. That explodes on impact. I did like when they separated the boat. The boat like, release the cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> like what? That is that was, sweet. That was a speedboat. <laughs> uh, and they had the big smoke trail. Like some good gadgets in here. Yeah, it was weird that uh, that Domino character was uh, like, like she was. Uh, what do they call it? A sugar baby. The number two was her sugar daddy. Yeah. But they called her his niece. <laughs> it's, a, it's very strange. Yeah. Keeping up appearances, I guess. He's a one-eyed old German dude. I think he's German. Maybe something else. But. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I think that was the only other thing that that popped into my head was the that dude that was kind of involved with the the rescue at the end Mm -hmm. just we don't get any resolution to his story all right well that'll do it we will check you later guess we'll see you around all right check you later bye wait man why you always such a dork man what are you talking about check you later check you later (laughs) hey man you off my case